oh, did you guys see on Twitter today? Apparently, the my neighbor Seki-kun, apparently that mangaka is the younger brother of um, this lady. Akiko Higashimura. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. they have like a joint manga, which is just the two of them going out to eat at restaurants. Oh my gosh, I need to read that. Why is that not here yet? I was like, man, this feels very long in your ears, core. Welcome back, y'all. It's time for another episode of Manga in Your Ears. Yes, I know we don't have the most consistent update schedule, but that's just how it felt life goes sometimes, so please just roll with it. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about two manga as usual. Our first title is going to be our older title, which is going to be Natsumi's Book of Friends, sometimes also called Natsumi Yujincho. And then for our current series, we're going to be talking about Blank Canvas. Uh, as always, I'm Helen. Everyone else want to introduce yourselves? Remind it's blank what canvas. I have been thinking this is black canvas for literally this entire time. <laughs> Wait. It's blank. Oh my god. Corey, did you even read this? Yes. <laughs> Do not read that closely. Corey, it's blank to like show the beginning for artistic life, not black as in oh. she's like a failure. Like. <laughs> She had a lot of failure in the manga. Well, that's true. I mean, he he has a point, but not that much. <laughs> For it to be like, oh man, this is just a revelatory thing. <laughs> anyway, we will continue with the revelations a little later. But first, we're <laughs> going to be talking about the long-running shoujo series, Natsumi's Book of Friends. Like I said, it's also sometimes referred to as Natsumi Yujin Show. Since I think when the anime was licensed first by Crunchyroll for streaming and then by NIS America, I think they just kept the untranslated title. But the manga, published by Diz Media here in the U.S., um, does go with the translation. It is by Yuki Midorikawa. And like I said, this one's long running. It's 15 years old now. It started in January 2005. And uh, the premise of it is quite simple. Uh, Takashi Natsumi is able to see spirits, ghosts, yokai, all manner of creatures normally unseen. And he's been orphaned at kind of a young age and passed around through various family members who've all found him very creepy for some reason. He's sort of on his last shot by this point. He's living with some very distant relatives who are very nice to him, and he's making a very big effort to not creep them out. But, like, yokai just sort of seem to be, like, drawn to him. And then recently, he found this old artifact of his grandmother. Apparently, his grandmother could also see spirits. And not only that, but she liked beating them up. And so whenever she beat one up, she would have them write down their name to, like, swear allegiance to her. And so Nasumi has found this book of friends that she left behind. But it turns out that, you know, names are very important in a lot of folklore. And so by having this book of names, he could, in some ways, control these yokai, you know, bring pain upon them. So Natsumi is trying to get rid of this. He's trying to find these yokai and return their names to them. And so there's even more than usual who are chasing him down, trying to get their hands on this book. And one in particular um, who goes by both Madara and Nyanko-sensei has been like, well, 
you know, I feel like eating you, but maybe I'll just make sure that, you know, you stay alive long enough for me to eat you. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to, like, pretend to be a big fat cat and live with you now. And so that's it. That's the plot. It's very episodic. I was first introduced to it through the anime since I think the anime started before the manga was licensed here in the U.S. Was it the same for you guys or are you guys only familiar with the manga? Um, yeah, I think the anime was first. I've seen a handful of the anime episodes and I can't remember how many volumes I've read. I reread the first one for the podcast, but I th- I'm pretty sure I started with the anime first. Yeah. What about you, Corey? Yeah, same. I watched uh, two or three seasons of the anime. Uh, I got those like nice NAS things when NAS the anime, um, and then I had not read the manga at all until uh, giving it for this podcast. And I only read two volumes. They're very similar to the, to the anime, from my recollection. Yeah, quite. There's 24 volumes of the manga now out in Japan, and there were six seasons or 74 episodes of the anime. I also had this nice NIS set, except for one of them has gone missing, and I'm Worried I won't be able to find it. <laughs> but yeah, I remember just absolutely falling in love with the anime. Just since it was so up my alley. You know, it's isolated kid, you know, bigger powers, sort of unseen. And yet he's still just having to make friends along the way. And he does. Um, I'll admit, it's probably partially because I saw the anime first, but I do like the anime a bit better than the manga. I feel like the anime was a little more structured with which stories it chose to tell in which order and uh, but also uh, it keeps some side characters around a little longer so it gives Natsumi like closer connections to some of his classmates which I feel like were all really smart choices but I do enjoy the manga as well I'm actually a big fan of a lot of Midorikawa's works except nothing else has gotten licensed but some of her others have all been they've all been shorter like three volumes or so and they've been like really interesting also very supernatural, so she, she's just totally at my alley. I quite enjoyed the the manga as well. Uh, I agree that the anime makes some better choices about the side characters. There are a few of these like sidebars where the uh, the mangaka just rambles on about whatever they feel like rambling on about. Where she says uh, it's a bi-monthly comic, and I don't know if she means twice a month or once every other month. Um, but she she basically says she wanted this story that was very episodic and very detached from each other and they she goes to great lengths or maybe not great lengths she goes to uh, medium lengths to reintroduce the entire story of the book of friends and how Natsume's grandmother and is uh, this person who collected the book of friends and blah 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 and like I skip over that every time because I just read the previous chapter where they said that same thing yeah I sort of wonder since her other series were so short if she may have been worried about this one getting canceled soon and so just wasn't going to like you know invest her time and energy into making a big plot at first since there have been some bigger stories that come up later on like eventually there are ones that just take longer and there's also some underlying mysteries like uh, uh eventually we do actually meet natsumi's parents in a flashback we discover that this heritage seems to run down through his mother who was also like his grandmother just an absolute wild child and there's also been some hints that his grandfather may have been an exorcist or connected to that community which would partially explain why natsumi is just like basically the most spiritually powerful character anyone else in the series has met since there are other exorcists and they get together and they're all very secretive and they're like oh our craft is dying out and natsumi is like over there shining like a candle and it's like ah crap natsumi please don't let them find you just please continue living your, like, low-key high school life with your fat cat friend. 
does it ever want to... It's like the perfect example of an ugly mascot who is very cute despite being very ugly. Does it ever wind up having like an overarching plot? So I didn't get far enough into to know if there was ever like an overarching plot. Is there? Not beyond just, you know, trying to release the names held in the book. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, you know, I, I guess you could possibly call those subplots or you just sort of like undercurrents, like an idea will be returned to when she goes farther along. I really have no idea like how she'll ever decide when she's going to end it. So it just sort of seems like there's no real event or at this point, like any particular amount of growth or something like that. And that's when he's like, that would signal the end of the story. You know what I mean? And I'm not usually a fan of episodic stories, so it's actually really unusual for me to be such a fan of these. I, I think it's sort of, I don't know if all of the episodes are like that, but I think it has kind of like a light quality to it, so it's easy to kind of dip in and out of. Um, so you can read one chapter and sort of feel satisfied with it. Um, I, that's what appealed to me about it anyway, is that you can kind of dip in and out of it, and the characters mostly stay the same. There are side characters and all of that, but it's just something you can come to when you sort of feel like, uh, reading something nice, I guess. Yeah, in some way that's kind of Iyashike, you know, healing a little bit, except Natsumi is, like, put into danger very often. I'll also mention, I do like the art style a bit more in the anime than the manga, since the manga is just so sketchy and rough. Like, believe me, her other series were, like, even sketchier and rougher, while the anime just sort of, like, neatens up the edges a bit, you know? And has, like, a really great soundtrack. I still love that music to this day. Definitely downloaded that in college. When the first seasons were coming out. Anything else from you guys? Any final thoughts? I, I can't believe that Corey couldn't remember if I had read Natsumi or not, because I'm like, Corey, do you not remember? I am the one who like convinced y'all to like buy Nianko Sensei plushies at Otakon that one time. What I meant was, did you read it or only watch it? Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, perhaps my question is misguided. Uh, with that, y'all, I think we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back to blank canvas, not black canvas, Corey. <laughs> We're back, and we're talking some, about some more Akiko Higashimura, this time Blank Canvas, uh, which, T-I-L, Jesus. Um, <laughs> my uh, subtitle, My So-Called Artist Journey, is a autobiographical manga about Higashimura when she was, uh, well, it starts when she was in high school. It goes um, up to uh, the third volume, which is all that's out in English, I believe, right? That sounds right. Yes, fourth volume out in March. So, uh, up to the third volume, it goes to um, a bit, uh, just around her manga debut. Um, and, uh, well, I don't know how much more I have to say. Besides, it is about Higashimura's life. She goes to this um, this uh, art teacher in, in the sticks of... Mm, crap, where is she from? The sticks. <laughs> yeah, she's. it's even sticksier than the sticks where she's from. Uh <laughs> like an hour away the bus only comes every hour it's very annoying to get to uh but she learns a lot about art and she's endeared a lot to this art teacher who is uh, a recurring theme throughout or a recurring character throughout these first three volumes she goes to art school in kanazawa i believe which is somewhere with snow which she does not get much snow in her hometown 
Uh, and they're just a, a bunch of events that uh, typically happen in one's life. There's also a, uh, a little cameo from what we learned, or what I learned yesterday, from Justin of OASG, uh, retweeting something. A cameo from her little brother, the mangaka for uh, Seki. What do you mean you learned yesterday? You learned that from me today, I thought. <laughs> oh, I saw it yesterday when Justin oh. reviewed it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but what did you think? I w- I've only read the first volume, but I was astounded at how blunt she was about, guys, I thought I was hot shit, and I sucked at art in high school. <laughs> like, she was very unflinching at just going into just how great she thought she was. And that, no, like, she had some talent, she had some skill, but what she really had was a lot of people who just praised her regardless, and that she really does need these supplemental lessons if she wants to develop the skill she would need to get into an actual art school. Yeah, I think it, what's the saying? Uh, big fish, little pond thing, where she's from sort of uh, that, yeah. mm. that, uh, she's from sort of a small town, and so she may be the best there. And yeah, I, I actually kind of like that they showed that, that it sort of went to her head. She was like, oh, I'm the best. I know I passed. Like, I know I got in. And she runs into roadblocks every time. I, I liked it more than I thought I would. I was a little on the fence about it, but I like the author's other two series. So I just picked up the first volume, but it's been kind of sitting on my shelf because I wasn't sure about it. But I read it today for the podcast, and I really like it. It's I sort of like seeing her journey as an artist. And I think the fact that she was so full of herself makes it more interesting. <laughs> it makes it very painful to read at times. <laughs> True. Uh, her teacher at her high school was very praising of her. He's like, oh, he, uh, mm, I forget her real name, her real name, Yamaga or something. Um, but anyway, she, she, the teacher at the high school says she has all this talent, the, all of her drawings are very good, and then she immediately goes to this, um, this art teacher in the sticks of the sticks, and he's like, this sucks, draw this, uh, whatever it was, tissue box or something. Uh, and she has to do that, oh, like, yeah. iteration after iteration after iteration of that until it's absolutely perfect, until she can do it from memory. Uh, and that just really uh, pounds into her, like, the fundamentals of art that she's not really learning um, in high school. And it, it does really help her get into the art school in Kanazawa. Um, she, she's also uh, just so full of herself in terms of knowing art and being good at art that she's convinced that she will just get into an art school and doesn't need to study at all for tests, so that's what she does uh, all throughout high school. That is to say, she doesn't say for academic tests. She's so sure she's going to get in on like a recommendation and won't right. need to take the college testing. And one of the other things the teacher does, which I didn't understand until we saw her start applying, is that he has her practice drawing busts over and over, like specific busts. But one thing that I found from reading the manga was that the entrance exam for a lot of these art schools is to actually draw these busts or, like, redraw these very famous sculptures. And apparently there are, like, fairly well-accepted interpretations of, oh, this sculpture is about unrequited love. Oh, this is about great sadness. And so you also kind of need to be well-versed in the statues to know all those things, which I think is pretty different from the U.S. I think art schools in the U.S., like, look at portfolios not have you come in and do like a drawing for six hours yeah that seems like a lot of pressure yeah to just uh, i mean just, that's I, the japanese college like entrance exam system in a nutshell true but it just uh, yeah there was a lot of pressure and it showed um like when she was with a group of other students where they stayed in that that inn or whatever and they all kind of ate together but they all knew they were going to be competing against each other and all of that mm-hmm. i liked that that portion of the first volume too yeah mm-hmm. And those tests are, like, so 
cutthroat that uh, she is the only one left after the first portion of the test. Um, and she's only there because she got help from one of the other people that was also taking it. Uh, so you see the realities of some of these tests right in front of your eyes. Um, you also see the realities of like not scugging or carrying for uh, literally anything as she goes throughout uh, volumes one and two. Yeah, Corey, I remember we were talking about this um, in line. You mentioned that she was reminding you a little bit of college, and I was like, oh man, no, I was way too anxious to be like that. Like, I was prepared. <laughs> also, photography was just very different. Like, obviously, I didn't have to submit a portfolio to get into my program. Maybe they've changed it by now, but I don't think so. But so it was just a lot of stress once you were in the program and just realizing that, oh my god, I suck at this. Well, I don't suck at this, but oh my god, this is hard. <laughs> Corey, you were telling me that you were blowing off classes in college and all that jazz. Yeah, in terms of academics, I was very similar to Higashimura here. Um, I blew off a lot of classes because they were at like 8 or even 9 in the morning. Actually, that was just too early. Uh, you think it's going to be just like high school, but 8 o'clock becomes too early. Yeah. and there's no I mean, I don't know parents. about y'all. I got up way later in college <laughs> than high school because in high school... Getting to school um, by my 8.30 start time meant getting up at 6.30 in the morning, but in college, that meant getting up at, like, 7.30 for, like, an 8 a.m. class. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, y'all did not have the kinds of, like, multi-county commutes that I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. My high school was, like, 15 minutes. I mean, everything mm-hmm. from my college was also 15 minutes away, but it was earlier. And I didn't have uh, my parents telling me to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny that she's able to, like, dodge all of her her academic work like that you think maybe her parents would have eventually caught on or something i, I don't know because she was getting like pretty low test scores compared to everybody else <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember was she the oldest child because sometimes like i joke with my mom that i'm the oldest i joke that i'm the one where they learn how to do everything with <laughs> like <laughs> here's how to apply for colleges you know here's how to take the sats so i wonder if maybe she was also an eldest child and so her parents just hadn't quite clued in yet that oh we need to make sure that our high schooler is doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I did I find it quite funny that she eventually used, like, dowsing to figure out or to <laughs> score well on tests. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, because it was the part where it was, like, there was, like, study methods for just, like, statistically guessing what the yeah. multi-choice answer is going to be. It's like, wow, that's a problem. And, oh, and I think she mentions, like, in there that, like, the year she took the test, was super weird like the way they did it so she did really well but most people didn't and they like changed the methodology a couple years later so the housing method wouldn't even work anymore (laughs) yeah she was very honest about all moments of her life like that even she seemed a little surprised by that one she was like like this one was weird (laughs) yeah she scored very very high on the test compared to her test scores i think her test scores were like regularly in the teens or 20s but she scored in the 80s or low 80s on this uh on the like college entrance exam portion test portion of it not the practical yeah. portion i will also never get used to like seeing characters in manga who are scoring like below 50 on tests and everything i'm like i'm like the teacher doesn't just like automatically haul you out of the classroom and ask <laughs> what was going on that day yeah especially since uh my high school and all my schools below that were on the seven point grading scale not the 10 point so anything below a 69 was failing and like really anything below an 80 was quite suspect so i look <laughs> at all these scores in anime all the time and people are getting like 15s and i'm like what is your education system like <laughs> i mean like if we were having this in american schools like 
you would get hauled in, your teacher would get hauled in, you know, possibly the principal would get hauled in, because clearly the teacher ain't teaching there. It's just like, <laughs> what is going on? So it is kind of nice to have a manga, which doesn't just have the characters taking these tests, but also explaining, here's what I was doing, here's what I should have been doing. <laughs> yeah, here's what I was doing, nothing. Here's what I should have been doing, literally anything else. <laughs> what I was doing, dowsing. Yeah. Well, the dowsing seemed to work. True. And she got through, uh, she got through like a, I forget what it was, foreign language class of some sort in college, and then the teacher was convinced that she was proficient in that language, and she was absolutely not. <laughs> Which language was it, do you remember? I think it was French. It's kind of hard to fake being proficient in French. Well, they had the multiple choice tests, so she guessed uh, the dowsing. Oh, uh, clearly she wasn't like all of my teachers who had, like, practical parts of the exam. Nope. Oh, Clearly, yeah. I need to read more volumes of this. I just have only had the chance to read the first one. But I liked it. And her works are, they're not instant loves for me. Like, I have, like, a lot of qualms with many of them. But I think I might like this one the most out of her works. But I also do tend to like autobiographical manga stories a lot. Just since you get, you get kind of tired of, like, fake or, you know, manufactured situations and works of fiction. But in real life, I mean, it truly is stranger than fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, that makes it feel more authentic and relatable, I think. Say, I like how she wasn't afraid to make herself look bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. not that she looked terrible, but it was obvious that she, like, didn't put a lot of effort into stuff. And I think that's what makes it endearing. Is she She's able to look back at herself and say, you know, I really wasn't really wasn't doing anything. <laughs> so. yeah. In this manga, um, this manga and also her, the, the previous one, Tokyo Tagareba Girls, the, these are, this one is definitely autobiographical, and the other one is, like, based off of all of her friends who are complaining about uh, the things that the Tagareba Girls do. So, um, having those uh, those more concrete things to real life is quite refreshing in a manga. Uh, I agree. I know she starts off the story by saying that she's, like, a divorced single mom, obviously with a young child. I wonder if the manga here blank canvas is going to go so far i mean up to that point in her life or not mm, yeah i don't know i don't know where it goes there's only five yep. volumes um the fifth one is scheduled for release in the u.s in june so we'll find out in june dun, dun, dun. uh but uh like uh like said in this episode where can we find everybody on the internet you can find me on twitter at mangioren it's my i don't know what you would call it bi-weekly every two weeks reminder that i'm actually still alive so you can find me on twitter there uh soon you'll be able to hear me on the taiku podcast because i've somehow gotten roped into doing the best anime of 2019 episode again jk i did not get roped into it i asked to be on it <laughs> uh you can also find me writing a lot of reviews over at the oasg trying to really get through my backlog and you can hear me on the oasg's podcast as well and you can find me on Twitter, at K. You can find this podcast on Twitter, at Manga Your Ears. And find all of our episodes over at com. Now that we are uh, away from the various holidays, I think we'll buy weekly-ish schedule. So please enjoy us and yell at us on Twitter about what we should read so we don't have to think about what we should read. Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> all right. Until next time. Bye, Bye everybody. Y'all.